Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome, everyone! To the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the main Cultaholic lads are in Manchester for WrestleCon, we're trapped in 1993, where the best thing happening in Manchester is the two-for-one on Perno at Rotters on Oxford Street. So we're watching Raw, then we're hitting the town. We're going to leave the Icopro-powered DeLorean at home because friends don't let friends drive drunk. And who be we? I be the radio-faced fake Geordie, Tom Campbell, joined, as always, by the bear in the big blue bar cage, Cultaholic's top pen, not a pencil, because he gets it right all the time. It's Justin Henry over there in America. Hello, Justin. Well, at least somebody thinks I'm a bear. <laughs> You're a lovely bear. <laughs> You're the Thank bear you in the big blue bar cage, which is a cheeky <laughs> plug for your blog as well. Mm. I do appreciate that. Thank you, Tommy. Um, and as we were discussing before we went on, I said, are we the only two from Cultaholic who aren't at uh, WrestleCon? And a big shout out to the Discord guys, the Cultaholic Discord guys. We know <laughs> Austin and Sydney and some others. <laughs> um, I don't know all their names because admittedly, um, I have ADD. That's so okay. I, I don't know. I can't remember Jack and Adam's names half the time. Just like, hey, you. If you are one <laughs> of the Cultaholic Discord guys, please tweet me at Tom Campbell or Justin at JRH Writing this week and let us know. And we'll do a. We, we, we need like a special section for the Discord guys because yes, it's and, good work what you do. And please, by all means, introduce yourselves to me because. I need to commit names in memory. I need to make an effort to do that. You remember my name, only because I guess it's on your screen right now. Well, because you yell it a lot. And I shout it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of my job. What can I say? Let's hop back in time. We're in 1993. We watch back the old episodes of Monday Night Raw. You know, there was a point when Raw wasn't three hours long and repetitive. It was one hour (laughs) and soul-destroying. And, and, repetitive. and repetitive and <laughs> repetitive and that is what we are doing right here so justin where are we going back to this week we're going back to march 22nd 1993 we are at the manhattan center in in downtown new york city and this is technically this is technically the go home show quote unquote for wrestlemania 9 even though next week there was no episode of raw but instead, there was the annual March to WrestleMania special, ran every year from 1990 through 95. 
which is sadly not on the network because we would definitely do that in lieu of a raw review. I did check if it was on the network as well, and I couldn't see it, which is sad because it sounds like a better better show than any of the rules we've watched. Um, I'm looking at the card right here. Would you mind if I read it all for the benefit of our our listeners out there? I think you definitely should. Okay, just for those of you who aren't aware of what I'm, what I'm referring to here, back in the pre-Monday Night Wars days of WWE, what they would do when WrestleMania or SummerSlam Survivor Series came around, they would have a TV special that would take the place of Raw or, in the older days, primetime wrestling. It would be a two-hour show, not unlike a half-assed episode of Raw. It would be some name-versus-name matches, some jobber matches, but it would all build to the bigger show, and there would be hype in between the matches. So basically, it was kind of like a template for a two-hour Raw years later in a lot of ways. So this was this is what the quote-unquote go-home show of WrestleMania 9 would have looked like. This was this was the March to WrestleMania aired. It actually aired on Sunday night, March 28th of 93, and a condensed one-hour version aired the next night. So this is what we got. Yokozuna defeated Randy Savage. Mr. Perfect defeated Skinner. Kamala defeated Kimchi. In, in wow. a non-title match, in a non-title match, Money Incorporated defeated Gary Sabah and Rena Riggins. Tatanka defeated legendary Carolina wrestler George Shelf. In a six-man, I guess they called it called as a mixed six-man match, the Bushwhackers and Tiger Jackson, who was the future Dink the Clown, defeated the Beverly Brothers and Little Louie. Who was, who was the future midget psychic of Jerry Lawler, who he named Queasy. That match by was, was almost 10 minutes long. And in the main event, The Undertaker defeated Bam Bam Bigelow by countout. Blimey, what a card. It's actually better than the Raw cards we've had. We got Yoko versus Savage and, and Bigelow versus Undertaker, so... It makes you think about... Where Raw sits at this point, because we're we're going into this with the mentality of the of Raw today, the mentality that Monday Night Raw is like the the flagship show. But in this universe, at this time, it's not. It's just another WWF mm-hmm. show, and there's a lot of them. Yeah, it's well. I think they still had the mentality that. You're driving house shows and you're driving pay-per-views and you're not giving away too much for free on television. This isn't like Saturday Night's main event where you have Hulk Hogan versus designated villain number whatever on whatever episode it is. This is just you know nibbles and tastes of what's gonna of what's to come. So they're not giving away you know like a, a twenty. I mean, I mean there have been great matches. You had Flair versus Perfect for twenty minutes. And as you'll see through the summer of 93, you'll have some great marquee matches on this show. But at this point, they're still in the, in the, in the state, state of mind of we're not giving away too much. It's basically just going to be just a, a small sample, nothing more. So Raw, when, it, when we say this is a go-home Raw, it's not like this is a huge angle-driven show that's going to you know, have everyone enthralled and excited about WrestleMania 9. This is just, this is just any... Any old bog standard show. It's just a show, isn't it? It really is. 
And as you'll see on next week's show, when we do the post-WrestleMania show, there was nothing to write about either, or write home about either, and uh, it's Raw wasn't Raw yet. It's yeah, it it's, just... it's it's certainly in its embryotic stage at the moment, and it doesn't quite know what it is. And this has been a recurring theme in all the episodes we've had, Justin, where we've gone. Raw doesn't really know what it is yet. It <laughs> still doesn't. It's incubating inside of a crock pot at Titan Tower. <laughs> We have the commentary team back that I must admit, after last week, I'm I'm really happy to see them. Well, <laughs> what yes, a sad state one... of affairs that last week we had Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, and this week I'm happy to see Vince Savage and Bartlett. <laughs> well, we had Bartlett last week too, and we had no, Vince we didn't. also. No, we didn't. Yes, we. No, we didn't. We, we, we had we... Vince McMahon last week. No, no, no. We had not Vince McMahon. <laughs> We didn't have Rob Bartlett, though. It's blatantly not Rob Bartlett last week. We had, I can't believe it's not Vince McMahon. <laughs> I can't believe it's not Butthead. <laughs> with, with three times the fat content. Oh, it's funny because he's quite large. I, I should know that this show is only 36 minutes long as opposed to the standard 46 minutes. And I was happy about that because I, re I reviewed this at 2 o'clock this morning. This is We are recording on a Monday afternoon. I recorded at 2 a.m., and I had the seasonal change um, allergy headache going. And I'm like, I don't want to sit through this goddamn show. And I, and I saw it was 10 minutes shorter. I'm like, oh. oh what a blessed more, relief. Moral victory. Moral victory. I, I just spent the entire day watching football. So I, it, the adjustment back into wrestling was going to be a crash landing at best. So I'm like, well, that'll, that'll dampen it a bit. So for the next 17 weeks, I'm, I'm just gonna be like uh, wrestling. But thankfully, we're reaching the reaching the great episodes of Raw, the Sean and Marty matches, and so forth. And we have I had little little sneak preview of the weeks to come, Justin. We have in a few weeks' time a Friar Ferguson appearance. Oh, I'm and excited I'm, for that. I'm excited in the same way that somebody is excited to see. A, a car wreck coming ahead of them on the motorway. <laughs> In the sense of, you don't really want to look because you know it's going to be bad, but there's part of you that's quite intrigued to see it. It's the happiness you feel when you see a really catty and obnoxious supervisor of yours walking toward an oil slick. It's kind of schadenfreudic. <laughs> Is that it? Is that an adjective, Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude. It is. I've just made it up. It's obviously it's an adjective of Schadenfreude, and I've decided that something can be Schadenfreudic or Schadenfreudian. Schadenfreudian better seems better. Because if Freudian's a word, then Schadenfreudian by by logic should also yeah, be. A that word. feels that feels better coming out of out of my face. Schadenfreudian. Like hyperbolic. Quite like mm. using the phrase hyperbolic. <laughs> Well, you're not the only person that possibly misused the word here because we go to the intro. We have we have Randy Savage in his charming neon and zebra print outfit oh, because he he's Randy a Savage treat this week. An absolute treat. Certainly did. I mean, he was downright conservative because he had a t-shirt on. I mean, but it's I mean, a special customized t-shirt, as we would see. He's got a very special Macho Man Randy Savage customized raw t-shirt. I did like that shirt. It's very nice. And then we have Vince introducing Rob Bartlett. 
and he said, and he calls him, and I'm quoting here, the World Wrestling Federation's answer to Abe Hirschfield. Yeah, you're gonna have to explain that one to me, Justin. That is an American thing that went right over my British head. Hey, Tommy, I had to explain that to myself because I had no <laughs> oh, idea what the hell he was talking enough. about. Now, I'm, I'm gonna try to frame the reference here. Um, I was nine years old when this episode aired, so I know who the Ninja Turtles are. I know who Michael Jordan is. I know about other wrestling shows. I know who the Simpsons are. I have no idea who the hell Abraham Hirschfeld, not Hirschfeld, Vince, Hirschfeld is, but I found it. Okay. I'm going to read his Wikipedia mini-bio here. This is <laughs> a couple, couple sentences. Abraham Jacob Hirschfeld was a Polish-born American real estate investor, Broadway producer, and political candidate from New York City. He was the owner of several buildings in Manhattan. He served as treasurer for the New York State Democratic Committee in the 1960s and is a city commissioner of Miami Beach, Florida in 1989. Why is this relevant? Well, if you scroll down a little bit on the Wikipedia bio, you have a timely reference. In March 1993, Hirschfeld was the court-appointed manager of, of the New York Post for two weeks after the paper filed for bankruptcy. During that period of time, he dismissed editor Pete Hamill, but later upon court order reinstated him and kissed his face in a famous picture. Right. I'm, I'm going to let that settle a bit. Okay. So he was put in charge of the paper when the paper was going under. Yes, and this is a great reference for wrestling fans, most of whom are of elementary school age. Uh, although there is one interesting sentence here in in, in this uh, in this bio, I'm going to read real fast. And this, this is fascinating to me because it's kind of relevant to current matters. In September 1987, Hirschfeld launched an unsuccessful campaign in Miami Beach to draft New York developer Donald Trump for president. Oh, that is timely. And, and I believe that was back when Trump was a Democrat. So that's actually kind of fascinating. Wow. It has nothing to do with this episode of Raw, but goddamn, is that kind of a kind of a little interesting tidbit, a little cocktail party trivia? It really shows you that Vince McMahon is completely in his own bubble with stuff like this. He feels like this is a, a laugh out loud reference. Really, it's just him laughing. <laughs> so, what are the kids like? New, uh, newspaper bankruptcies and the people who overtake them. Uh, He's nailed it. <laughs> he is so down with the kids. Hey, kids, what about that? What about that corporate takeover the other week? <laughs> What a maneuver! <laughs> I know Pritchard said it was his job to uh, go through newspapers and stuff and, and come up with timely material for friends to talk about. I'm starting to wonder if maybe Bartlett was one of the joke writers as well. Did you read this um, tweet that popped up the other week which said that Vince McMahon doesn't know what a burrito is? I did see that story, yes. Even though he'd been eating them for years or, so, or a similar uh, food, stuff, food stuff. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. They wanted to do a storyline about Eddie Guerrero poisoning the Big Show's burrito. And Vince was like, no one's going to know what a burrito is. <laughs> but what? you eat one every day. Do I? No, that's a meat roll. That Vince, it's a burrito, mate. You have one every day. It's that whole thing of because Vince doesn't know it. Therefore, nobody does. Two anecdotes came to mind. One was, I, 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 I don't know if this is true or not. This is possibly apocryphal. But... There was one that said that Jim Ross had to explain to Vince 
that men have have a fetish for Asian women, which to explain why fans fans would, would enjoy Gil Kim, and Vince didn't believe him. Like, why would, why would people find Asian women to be attractive? Oh I'm not God. sure or not, but I remember reading that. And the other was that he killed the push of Pirate Paul Burchill because he had never seen Pirates of the Caribbean. And I didn't heard that the appeal one. Of it. I heard that one. He went, nobody's watched Pirates of the Caribbean. No one's going to get this. I loved Pirate Paul Burchill. What a yeah, I mean, wonderful, was... wonderful time. He had awesome music, too. Great music, great entrance, <laughs> decent wrestler, cracking finisher. Gimmick to the high hell. Bloody hell. They should have done more with Pirate Paul Burchill. And let's... How about we not dwell on the past? Let's dwell in, 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 instead in the, in the further past. Let's, do, let's, let's not dwell on the past. Let's go even further back. <laughs> yes. So, after the Abe Hirsch, Abe Hirsch Field uh, anecdote bombed horribly, Bartlett was speechless about that, probably because he wanted to say, that's Hirschfeld, you dummy, and call Vince a dummy on the air, which would have been the, the absolute highlight of the show if that had happened. And Vince is super excited about our opening match, which is the Bushwhackers versus Repo Man and Damian Demento. Bartlett made sure to let us know that he is invested in Kamala versus Doink, which is our main event of the put a bet on. He may have. He may have pulled a Brent Musburger. <laughs> Fair enough. So we... So so we open with Bushwhackers versus Repo and Demento. Now, you quizzed, or I should say you polled our uh, our Facebook gallery here. I certainly Repo. did. So this is the first time, and probably the last, that Repo Man and Damien Demento have formed a tag team. So in the same way that we punted out to you, the wonderful, wonderful people that have subscribed to hear Jack... Ross and Matthew talk about wrestling and sometimes humor us on the Wednesday. We wanted to know whether you could come up with a decent name for another tag team. This time, as Justin said, Repo Man and Damien Demento. And my days has the official Cultaholic fan page really, really done me a job. What an incredible amount of, of suggestions. Um, some repeated, some I don't get. Some people have just gone, oh, Damien Demento, I remember him, uh, which is really useful. <laughs> thanks, thanks. It, it wasn't... It, so I wonder, sometimes people don't read what goes on the Facebook page. and They just go, oh, that, that, I know that picture. Great. Cheers. But some of you have actually given some brilliant names, and a few of these are are my favourites, and some of them are just his favourites as well. Uh, a big thank you. So these are names for the tag team of Repo Man and Damien Demento. Every good team needs a tag team name, and some of the bad teams do as well. Uh, Scott Lee Rundle, who gives us Demento Memento. Nice. That we that, go that to the, makes sense. We go to the obscure. Thank you to Calvin Robbins, who wants to call them Bristol City Football Club. I don't quite know why, but I just like it. Thank you, friend. Um, Chris Turland, who says, Demonic Hair Club for Men. Hmm. Like it. Kind of. Chris okay. Crane, who gives us Repento. I like that, actually. Nice mixture. Tom Wilson, who hits us with the Lone Rangers. <laughs> L-O-A-N Rangers. See, that actually makes sense if you've seen the movie Airheads. That's what I'm thinking it's a reference to. 
you can, how do you pluralize the Lone Ranger? <laughs> Amazing scenes. Uh, Repo Demento from William Crayson. Lovely stuff. Simples like it. Uh, John Eiley offers us demented takings. Not bad. Not bad. Stephen Galactus. Creative has nothing for you. <laughs> Quite mean, this one by Jesse Allen, who gives us, call them DNR, do not revive. <laughs> um, Augusto Bakunin, I really hope I pronounced your name right, because you have given me my favourite one, which is the Hardly Boys. <laughs> Simple enough. The Hardly Boys, it just tickles me. Which was your favourite one, Justin, the one that you spied? <laughs> I like the one from John Ivy, although I had to modify it just slightly. I'm trying to find it here. I'm scrolling because we actually, actually got 100 responses to this. That's actually... You find it, and I'll give you a couple of others that, that caught my eye. Uh, James Wright with the Berserk Bailiffs. Very nice. Uh, Sebastian Svensson with Beautiful People or Ugly Hair Incorporated. Because <laughs> inks were big at this point. Uh, I would have personally, personally gone with Wrestling for Beer Money. Nice. Wrestling for Being Money Incorporated. <laughs> here, here, here it is. It's uh, it's from John Eiley, one of our most loyal listeners. Lovely man, John Eiley. He put repossessed madness, which I would have just put repo madness. Nice. Like it. Like it. Damien Stone gives us hook, line, and deep thinker. That's Does actually because it had a hook. Yeah, Repo had the tow rope. Mm-hmm. So uh, this would actually make sense. David Olsen, the Legion of Meh. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Sunderman, thank you for mid-card mentalists. <laughs> you absolute mentalist. Joseph Speak gives us the Creepo and Repo experience. Um. Damien Stone again. Rejected ideas for Adam West era Batman villains. <laughs> he's he's not wrong. Uh, stolen insanity from Dan Parker, and one more that caught my eye uh, from Curtis Lowe, who gives us Batman and Robin. Yeah, Robin, as as though as in thievery. Yes, R O B B I N, and Batman as in a bad man. Fine work. <laughs> Fine work, everybody, on the Facebook page. That was just a stunning reaction. I did appreciate Midlife Crisis Express from Damien Stone. Nice! I didn't see that one. That's brilliant. T- team Brogine from Sebastian Svensson. <laughs> the C Team also from Sebastian Svensson. That's... Ryan McDowell. I didn't spot this one. Voices of Collection. Is that a reference to something? I mean, Voices, Demento, Collection, Repo, but... Yeah, I think that's what it is. Voices of Collection. I, 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 don't know. I don't think it's a reference to anything, but I quite like it. <laughs> Do not revive this freak. <laughs> Do not revive is, is, is particularly mean-spirited, Jesse, but we do like it. Well, thank you very much more... indeed for once again uh, coming to the rescue of a, a, a thrown, a hoid-together tag team, which does not have a name. I do throw in two more here um, from Mark Jones, Poor Man's Demolition. Excellent. And and, and, and Sebastian Svensson, who's batting a thousand here, Stolen Souls. Ooh, Stolen Souls. Good shout. Actually, the Demolition one, even funnier, considering one of them is a former member of Demolition. That makes it even bleaker. 
And I did note here that why not just put Repo and Dement together as, as the new demolition? If you want just, just to have another team on the roster, but but then I realized as I was going through the history of WWE archives that this was actually Repo's last match until WrestleMania 17 for the company. So this is the last time we see Repo Man. Yes, it is. Oh, this is the end go. of the this is the end of the trail for Demolition Smash. He got repossessed. Yes, which is a bad Leslie Nielsen movie. Oh, let's not talk about bad Leslie Nielsen movies. They had they had Jesse Ventura and Mean Gene in it. Did it? Okay. It did. And and it did give us the immortal line from Jesse Ventura. It's a transvestite battle royal, Mean Gene. <laughs> I'm thinking of Spy Hard. Yeah, I'm thinking of worse movies than Spy Hard. Oh, God. 2001, 2001 A Space Travesty, for instance. Years ago, I interviewed a guy called Brian Waterman who was okay. an animator from like the Newgrounds era. And he did uh, an animated series. And he was planning a movie version. And he had Leslie Nielsen play one of the characters in it. And he actually, he, he always wanted Leslie Nielsen to do it. He managed to get Leslie Nielsen to do it. But the film's never been finished. Oh, man. But it's still, so it's, so should, should you ever um, fall across Brian Waterman? The Waterman movie one day must definitely be finished because that is Leslie Nielsen's final work. That's... I mean, yeah, Brian still... might be really annoyed with me bringing it up because he we we haven't talked about it for a long, 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 long time. Hopefully, he's not. Brian, I love you, and I'm just praising your amazing work. Um, but if you know of it, then let's shout about it some more. That's another discussion for another time. Well. It's got to be better than Leslie Nielsen's work at SummerSlam 94, at least. Oh, it's it, the, the the actual film that he's done is brilliant. And the, some of the script which I've seen is fantastic. It's, it's Brian Waterman is a very, very funny man. And uh, I hope one day we do, the world gets to enjoy it. Oh, best of luck to him there. So we have Bushwhackers versus Repo and Demento. And Repo has, and you know he's on his way out because he has his cheapest trench coat to date. <laughs> he used to wear he used to wear this really elaborate trench coat with shredded tire parts for shoulder pads, and stolen license plates spelling out the word repo on the back of his trench coat, which was a great touch. This is just a black trench coat that you know every gothic kid you knew in high school wore, with repo on it in white letters on the back. He's he's getting the uh, the last bits of uh, of his wardrobe. They're not investing anymore in him. What if actual repo men repoed the trench coat? <laughs> that could. Do you know what? I could have very likely happened. <laughs> Smash has fallen on hard times. <laughs> Poor Smash. <laughs> the bushwhackers are in the balcony to start out, just whacking around. I almost said whacking off, but no, they were just whacking <laughs> around. <laughs> some, some balconies you can get thrown out of for doing that. I emphasize just some. I like how bushwhackers get the shield entrance in 1993. <laughs> As they were walking to the ring, licking people in my head, I was going, Darder! 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 I can see Ambrose being the third bushwhacker. Um, what? Sierra might, hotel might, India might. <laughs> yeah, you know whoa! 
<laughs> got an idea. The S be for sardines. Hang on. Aviation. Phonic. Alphabet. Let me just Google. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it would have gone along the lines of... <laughs> Bravo. Uniform. Sierra. <laughs> hotel. Whiskey. Alpha. Charlie. Kilo. Echo. Romero. Sierra. <laughs> Most wackos. It would have made their entrance longer than it actually was. Hey, I'm now hoping Butch finishes this match with a curb stomp on Repo Man. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd, they'd powerbomb him through a table. Make Luke look strong. Gay, I know, I, I know what I'm doing after this. I'm playing WWE 2K18. I'm giving Bushwhackers the shield entrance. <laughs> no. You think I'm kidding? No, no, reverse that. Just give him, just give Rollins and Reigns the Bushwhacker entrance. <laughs> and the battering ram as a finisher. Yes. That's dreams. That's... So, we... <laughs> so we have a commercial two, two and a half minutes into the show. <laughs> yeah, because Bushwhackers are taking so friggin' long to get to the ring. <laughs> They're just up there just licking people and whacking around. And this we, feels and a bit like back. they kind of went into business for themselves a little while. Yes, they were shooting. This was their pro- this was their protest for last week's show. <laughs> Being so awful. They were, they were upset because they had a food fight without them. That's why they're mad. They were upset. That was, that's their gimmick. Yes, it was, it was like when uh, Alfalfa stole the uh, tailpipe gag from Mo. <laughs> oh my gosh, you've killed the original Brian Nobbs! <laughs> it's exactly that. When I Reaper did, that's why they had to get rid of him afterwards. <laughs> so, so, so Luke falls over the rail right on his ass. Let me come back. And he, and, and he. <laughs> They get in the ring, <laughs> and it's one of the it's one of the rotund Rosati sisters playing the ring card girl, and the Bushwhackers both lick her because they're the Bushwhackers and that's what they do. Luke even gives her a butt bump. <laughs> she she's having a lovely night. <laughs> so are we apparently. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and Vince puts over there, and I'm quoting here, mighty midget friend Tiger Jackson. What a weird turn of phrase. Their mighty midget friend. I'm guessing he's the third shield member. That's it. Like little... He's the one that does the power bomb. Like a little kid-sized Kevlar vest, and uh. So Rockstar Spuds <laughs> vest, then basically. Yes, yes, yes. Luke and Butcher are the authors of pain, and and, and Tiger Jackson is Spud. <laughs> so Bartlett gets a half decent line where he asks if Demento had been let out of Waco. Which is a timely reference. That was a, yeah, yeah. I got that one. Well, it's on my list of, of jokes about... that Rob Bartlow makes that I get. You can almost imagine Bobby Heenan making that same remark, which is usually a sign that it's actually a pretty decent line. Not not a laugh out loud, but kind of a. <laughs> it's a and chuckle. A... It's a chuckler. And give and given the state of Waco at that point, it's probably not far off. So Demento and Repo get bitten. This is just a total comedy match. 
Luke and Demento do this awkward double shoulder block spot where they both fall backwards. And then they do it again a minute later for some reason. Did they did just... they think they did it wrong? Well, they did it the same way a second time, so <laughs> they 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 did it as they did it before. Maybe they just really liked it. Uh so Demento tries to slam at one point, and we, we get the one good spot of the match where Luke headbutts him right in the gut, causing Butch to fall on top of Demento. And then Repo jobs to the battering ram moments later, and that's that. It's a pretty silly match. Yeah, it's a sad end to Repo Man, who only a few a few weeks ago was stealing Macho Man's hat. Yeah, it's, the fall happens pretty quickly. Do we know why he left? Was he let go? I'm guessing he just... I don't think there's a reason for it. I'll pull up Wikipedia real fast because, you know, they're always right. Hang on. Barry Darso. I'm, I mean, if you look at 93, it's like how many guys left that year that like had been there for a while? Santana? There was quite Diviasi. a few. They were obviously going through like a bit of a... But they were, they were trying to refit themselves anyway, and there was quite a few guys still in there that weren't really... Fit in with the new product. Yeah, it's, but 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 I mean, it's according to Wikipedia here. It says after his feud with Savage, it says after Darcy planned to after after run as a villain, he would become a heroic character. However, that turn never happened. I think we have one more match with him by the looks of it, March twenty eighth. Oh, that might well, not be already... on Raw though. That this might be his last yeah. appearance on Raw. Probably either All American or or the Weekend Challenge Show, one or the other. And uh, a few months after leaving WWF, he would win, he would win the tag team titles and lose them to the Iron Sheik and Brian Costello. And his partner was Paul Roma. So I believe the IAW looks like a bit of a hodgepodge of guys from the 80s as a fed. I would watch that. <laughs> I don't care how old they are. Like, I mean, a match between Virgil and Jim Neidhart from 95 on YouTube excites me. Oh, do you mean is it that one where Jim yeah, Neidhart put the <laughs> yes, that one, that one, that one? <laughs> yes, I, I know what you mean. That one. That they're not talking about it. Redacted. After the match, Vince makes a makes a remark about the Bushwhackers, saying they are fresh off the pages of Gentlemen's Quarterly, and Bartlett forces this squeaky "Please don't fire me" laugh. Or if I just laugh loud enough, maybe I could stay around <laughs> a little while longer. He's very much hanging on at the moment. He's doing what he's told, and he's hanging on. He is part of Milgram's 37. He's doing what he's told. Good lad. Good lad. Tatanka versus Reno Riggins. Tatanka has had, in the run-up to WrestleMania 9, the most airtime on Monday Night Raw. He really has. It really, his... like, if I, I looked, I saw him coming out again, and I went, I feel like we see Tatanka every week. He's a workhorse. He is a workhorse. And I feel like he's, his match with Shawn Michaels has had the most publicity. He's the Seth Rollins of 1993. <laughs> what an honor. What an honor to Tonka. You are the Seth Rollins, man. What a boy. Die your... See, someone said burn it down. It's dye your hair. <laughs> dye your hair. Anyway. So, so the Tonka has his... You know, he, he, he has his red dyed hair, his turquoise trunks, and his rawhide boots and pouch belt thing that he wears. That is much better than what Riggins is wearing. Rena Riggins is wearing leopard print trunks, no knee pads, and white boots. He looks like such a knacker. Such a na <laughs> it's Tatanka versus a knacker. Reno he, Riggins. Um, however, you spin a tag team. I researched Reno Riggins. 
see if he did anything notable. The most notable thing he's done is he was in a tag team with Stephen Dunn, who later on became one half of Well Done. Riggins was a preliminary guy for a number of years here. He he, he was not quite on the brawler Horowitz Dwayne Gill tier, but like he was he was he was, he was part of the next wave of guys. The next wave of enhancement talent. Yeah, he, he was the B team of the B team. This feels so like it should be some kind of WWE 24 series, which is just about the enhancement guys. You would that watch. Would... You would watch the crap out of that, wouldn't you? Of course, I would. It would be amazing if it was just if it was a WWE 24 style series that followed the enhancement guys. Not just the ones who, who who stayed enhancement guys, but the ones who became names later on, like you know Glenn Ruth, Headbanger Thrasher. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Gonna, Jerry who Lynn, who are you losing tonight? Oh my god, tonight I'm I'm losing to Randy Savage. Oh my god, that's amazing. I'm only losing to Tatanka. <laughs> Although he does have the win streak going. That's and a true. Much better so you are part of a streak. Riggins early in the match takes an insanely high backdrop. I mean, he just vaults as though he's going to paint the ceiling on the way up. He goes... F a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Flying. Almost as high as Shawn Michaels might fly at WrestleMania 9. Remember, that's Sunday, we think. <laughs> the following Sunday. Barla makes sure to say, it'll be Dances with Tatanka. And Vince with a hasty, why not? Because <laughs> like, 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 Vince is like, I get that reference, but still, that was lame. But it dances, well, yeah, dancing with wolves reference was in the eighties. It's far too current. <laughs> <laughs> Tatanka, this is my favorite part of the match, and possibly the best part of the show. If you ever want to know, if you ever want to see commitment, watch as Tatanka puts Riggins in an armbar, and Riggins is wincing as though he's trying to, he's trying to keep his eyeballs in his, from falling out of his head. His eyes are clenched shut, and he just grunts, He's breaking my arm! <laughs> it was amazing. It's funny, because I put here, are Riggins' eyes about to burst out? <laughs> he's, just, he's so committed to selling this armbar, which for most people is just a move. It's just something you do in a match when you're, you need a breather or 
it's between spots. It's just a dead spot. But he's acting like the, the tongue is going to tear his arm right out of its socket. But this is where wrestling's great because you can make anything absolutely matter absolutely. if you put the energy in. Yeah, we we're in a we're in a time at the moment where we've got so many like Marty Skull was somebody that really set the pace of this, as was Bruiserweight Pete Dunne. The whole thing of just snapping somebody's fingers feels like yeah, such it's... a basic thing to do, but they made it into such an event. <laughs> and it isn't just the attack portion; it's the selling portion. Yeah. And, and as long as the other guy is selling it as it deserves to be sold, then you're winning. I mean, we, I mean, not everyone can be Ricky Morton, but you can always give it the old college try. You're you're selling it to the guy in the very last row. You want him to believe that what you're taking is is is, is causing excruciating pain. So Riggins is making sure that that last guy, the guy who paid for the three dollars seat in the upper corner of the balcony, knows that his arm is hanging on by a thread. I'd like to think that that guy paid to see Reno Riggins as well. Not just see Reno Riggins, but see him have have his arm torn right off of his uh off of his shoulder by so an he's angry WrestleMania bound to Tonka. <laughs> so the match continues. Tatanka, after chopping the lights out of Riggins, tries for a springboard reverse crossbody and misses. I have never seen him do that move in any match before or since. It looked nice. It did. It was. It was just very untatanka like. Yeah, I you I, I again as you say I don't think we'll ever see him pull that out again. He might just have done it once and gone. Nah, I didn't like it. Never mind. We'll go back to just to chops. <laughs> so Riggins takes control, and Vince lets us know Reno Riggins could be head of the WrestleMania to face Shawn Michaels. <laughs> is that is that how this match works? Is it a number one contenders match all of a sudden? I I suppose it is, and I guess I I, I guess Riggins might. We'd have to put his uh, leopard print tights on the on the line in against Sean's belt and in, in, in a winner take all battle. So, well, the WrestleMania could have gone from a stinker to an absolute dream show if it had been Shawn yeah. Michaels versus Reno Riggins. Perhaps Reno Riggins would have been Mr. WrestleMania instead. Oh, can you imagine? It so wasn't to be though. Fun. It was not to be. It was not to be. Tatanka gets fired up. He starts doing the war dance. Power slam, end of the trail finishes, but Vince calls it the Bobby Heenan gag name, which is Papoose to Go. Is that where it came from? Was this Bobby Heenan? Yes, Bobby Heenan invented that as like an insult name, and Monsoon would actually admonish him for saying that because it is a bit, you know, I'm not necessarily offensive, but it's insulting to... It's just an insulting one name for it. It's had like two real names, either the Renegade Drop or the End of the Trail, which I think either is cool sounding. But Papoose to go, it's... Papoose, I think, is... isn't that like how children will be carried on, on, on the backs of the adults? And like, a, like, a, like, a, like a little, not like a backpack type thing, but it was... So you're implying like, like they're crushing a small child in the midst of doing that move? I wonder whether Bobby Heenan just said, oh, this is what we're calling it now, as a bit of a rib to him, and then he just dropped <laughs> it in. And Vince just has no idea what it means, so he just he's like, yeah, it's the Papoose to go, pal. Like, okay. I'm with it. I'm hip. I know all the trends. So I'm it, down it, by that. That was... I enjoyed that match. It was, a, it was a fine little match. It was an extended squash with Riggins getting in 
his requisite amount of offense. Yeah, he was nice. Once again, uh, Tatonka, he is a workhorse at this point. In a roster of such a hodgepodge of workers and shirkers, Tatonka is very much a divine constant in the sense that he's a he's a good all-rounder. Like at this point, if I was watching wrestling in 93 and not and without the the power of hindsight, I'd be thinking, gosh, this guy, this is the guy. And that's it would be that, part of me that would think Tatonka's going to be the man. He's one of those characters that you get nostalgic for. He wasn't like one of your favorites growing up, but when you think of the Tonga, you think of that time period, and, and just the way he stood out. Because, because I mean, he he had, I want to call it a gimmick, because yeah, he actually is a Lumbee Indian, but he actually uh he was colorful enough to leave an indelible mark. And when you think of the Tonga, you think of his unique offense, you think of the theme music, the way he carried himself. He was a standout character from his time, and I actually marked out at WrestleMania 32 when he just popped up unannounced in that Andre the Giant Battle Royal. That was a lovely surprise. He had a bit of a resurgence a few years before that, weirdly teaming yeah. with Matt Hardy. That was a little that was a little odd, and, and that he almost feuded with Bobby Lashley. Well, the Andre bit actually segues nicely into our next part of the show here, which is the first WWE Hall of Fame inductee. There was no ceremony for it. There was no, you know, no dinner gala. There was no big event at some pre-WrestleMania event or whatever. It was just, here's a video for the first inducted in the Hall of Fame. And, of course, it was Andre the Giant. And it was a really nice video package as well. It was really nicely put together. A nice a nice throwback to uh, some of Andre's finest moments. <clears throat> what I find funny <laughs> is that you have Andre... <clears throat> You have Andre in this video doing all these great power moves. And then you have Hogan trying to pick him up and failing. Which which is weird how that counts as look at Andre being offensive. Like being on the offense. Well, it's also demonstrating Andre's immensity. They even they even the, the might of Hawk Hogan struggles to lift him. Just a strange moment to put in, but it was it was a lovely uh, a lovely retrospective for Andre the Giant in a time when the Hall of Fame ceremony wasn't like an entire night mm-hmm. on a very or busy Hill- weekend, <laughs> or when Hillbilly Jim's speech was an entire night. Gosh, do you watch the Hall of Fames? I I, I do watch them. Yes. Do you, I mean I? There's a perverted part of me that does quite enjoy them. Because it's, it's old wrestling guys telling stories. And I was the guy that, back in the early noughties, bought all the documentary DVDs on people. Because I enjoyed mm-hmm. listening to the old guys telling stories. Same here. Um, but the, when you, I often find that when you see the running time of an event like Hall of Fame, you die a little bit. <laughs> Just slightly. It depends who the speaker is. Yeah. Like, bro, speech is like 40 minutes, but he was great the entire time. Some people who's, just can't who's give long speeches. Who's been your worst Hall of Fame speaker? Uh, see, besides Mr. T, um, I mean, there's been some... I'll give you one that I, I, I love and hate. And Okay, give me one you love and give me one you hate. Well, I, uh, I'll give you one that's both. That would be the Freebirds. Oh, nice. Okay. There were some truly, truly funny parts there. Like the story about Terry Gordy being shot at and laughing because the guy missed, that killed me. <laughs> and, 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 
like, 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 in that Mongo voice. Like, 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 I could see that, and like, like, yep, that probably happened. It's so far fetched, but like, yeah, that that probably did happen. But it went on for like an hour, and he brings out David Von Erich, and he brings out, you know, the children of uh, of Cordy and Buddy Roberts, and, and I mean, that was nice, but it's, I mean, I know disrespect to them because I love Terry Gordy, but it's just sometimes it's you do run out of steam, and it's. Like a good twenty-minute speech is fine, but it's sometimes it, it does just go too long. Like, here's an NFL reference. This year, Ray Lewis went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he went on for like thirty-five minutes, and that's all everyone was talking about on Twitter was not Ray Lewis had this great career, one of the best linebackers ever, but he just he went on. He went on too long. And on. And on. It's, I, I guess you're just one act there real fast. Sometimes it's um. It's not so much how much they say, but how much they can't say. I think one of my least favorite inductions was probably the Godfathers. Because you could tell that Bradshaw and Farouk had really good stories when they were inducting the Godfather. But because oh, the yeah. era we now live in, they can't tell them. And of most course. of them are probably about hookers and drugs. What's your, what's your good stories? They're great. They're the best stories. But you can't tell. Any, they couldn't tell any of them. They should have like a separate section of the network just for the adult stories. Definitely they should. Yeah. There's a writer named James Gutman who, who, worked, who worked for a site called World Wrestling Insanity. And he wrote, he wrote a book detailing his, his experiences interviewing people. And he shares an anecdote from Jerry Lawler, which is borderline tasteless, but it cracked me up. Cause, and, 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 and you see where he's coming from. It, it was right around the time Lawler went into the Hall of Fame in 2007. And... Lawler's big fear is being boring on stage. He's like, well, I'm happy to do it, but, you know, it's, you know, what if the speech isn't good? You know, I, I want it to be good. And to give an example, he's talking about superstar Billy Graham's speech. And Graham was, was a great promo in his day, one of the most charismatic speakers ever. But his speech was, you know, a little bit, a little wordy. He went on for a while about the fact that this woman had died in a car accident and she was an organ donor. And he got, I think, her liver. And that allowed him to live. So he's, he's going on about that for a long time in his speech. And Lars says, by the time Graham got to his wrestling career, I was starting to wish that girl had been a better driver. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is very funny. <laughs> it's, it's a little effed up. But it's... <laughs> that is very, but um, I like that. I quite like And and I love Billy Graham, one of the all-time greats. He was, you know, he was the template for pretty much every super strong, charismatic guy that came after him, from Hogan to Triple H and so forth. Oh, an absolute said. trendsetter, like and the the, the stereotype, you know, the uh, the cliche, not stereotype, the cliche. The cliche is that he was he was born way too soon, which I believe yes. was kind of the the mantra behind his book and his DVD <laughs> was he was he was born way too soon. He's a tree with many branches. Exactly. Uh, but we don't get any speeches. None of that go for Arms with the Giant. We just get a nice video that says he's in the Hall of Fame. Lovely stuff. Welcome to the Hall of Fame. The late, great, eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. And we come out of that. We return from break. We focus on these three young adult fans in the crowd, one of whom resembles 1997 Triple H. And Bartlett makes these jokes about one life to live. 
that goes way over Vince's head. Were they, were they not from One Life to Live? Uh, they were not. It, I think okay, it was just... I didn't know what One Life to Live was. I thought they might have been actually from a show in America called One Life to Live. That was a show from the late 70s, early 80s that had uh, Valerie Bertinelli on it. Right. So Okay, so he was definitely making those brilliant cutting gags that really <laughs> connect with an audience. <laughs> it was only a 15-year-old reference to Vince. It's not timely enough for Vince just yet. <laughs> So we have we have the card girl in a skimpy one piece, which 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 was a great sight after the same action figure ad that's been airing the entire Raw run so far with Carrie Von Erich's figure still in it. Oh, very very awkward. It's been six weeks. Very awkward now. Carrie Von Erich front and center in the middle of that toy ring. Oh, it's awkward. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Money Incorporated. Versus Jeff Armstrong and Scott Rich. Jeff Armstrong has, to date, the best hairstyle I've seen of any prelim guy on this show. He has a military flat top with a random turtle head stub of a ponytail on the back of his head. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and this match leads to a rather peculiar gag. Now, Tom, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you remember this. But Money Incorporated are the tag team champions of WWF. They certainly are. And and in the same way that Tatanka is certainly one of the, as far as Raw is concerned, one of the top goodies, these guys are very much the top baddies, it feels. Not just the top baddies, but they're wrestling not only Brutus the Barber Beefcake at WrestleMania, but the true Mr. WrestleMania at the time, Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. in a title match at the biggest show of the year. Everything I have just said is factual, just as this is factual. Instead of focusing on DiBiase and IRS beating the crap out of two nobodies to, in order to enhance their enhance their confidence going into this WrestleMania, this is their warm up. They're getting ready for Hogan and Beefcake. This is the last Monday Night Raw before WrestleMania. Am I right? You are right. This is so, the equivalent. So this is the last time we're going to see them. So this is their last chance to really. You know, on commentary, really push the fact these guys—they are fine-tuned. They are in the—they are in the peak of their physical condition, and they are ready for Hogan and Beefcake in less than a week. And they're going to prove it to these two. One of which looks like he hasn't got a hair on his body, and the other one has hair in, in random places. And hair in random places. What an odd team. What should we call them? Don't answer that. But the, yeah, and so th- so that's what where the focus should be. But that was a hundred percent not where the focus was. At least not for Rob Bartlett. I have to add before we explain what, what's going on here. This would be the equivalent of Triple H and Stephanie before WrestleMania 34 squashing a random male and female jobber on a roll. Yeah, this Prior is this the is the height of, 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 of the, the the situation. Yeah, this is this this is the equivalent. So what are they doing? We cut to. We cut to a camera stationed behind the commentary desk, and we're watching Rob Bartlett flip through channels on a miniature television because he wants to scout what the competition is that's up against Raw. Now, I know kind of why they were doing this, because they wanted to showcase, hey, Raw is live, and here is some proof that Raw is live. Here's Rob Bartlett in real time flicking through the TV. So I get that, and it's a cute thing to do. But you had, gosh, you had 
Bushwhackers versus Demento and Repo Man to start the show. You could have done it then. There's no consequence. We've got Doink and Kamala coming up. You could do it then. But no. During the one of the most important matches on the show. In their defense, Demento does have better hair than Jeff Armstrong. <laughs> and I think I saw the Blues Brothers in there at one point on the, on the TV. Like, it's a like an old black and white film with somebody with a gun. I think it's the, that's probably the first time we'll see. We won't see a was, gun on Monday Night Raw again until 1996. But see, was he watching Brian Tillman in the future? Maybe. Oh, can you imagine if he was? Suddenly they flip the channel and there's Brian Pillman holding a gun. Somehow he can see the future. That'd be weird. That'd <laughs> What's be that weird. Hollywood blonde doing? What's that Hollywood Michael blonde doing being hunted by that other Hollywood blonde? Exactly. Why is why Stunning Steve breaking into the Flying Brian's house? Where's Stunning Steve's hair? There's so many questions. <laughs> why is Flying Brian walking funny? <laughs> why is Jim Ross doing commentary on Raw? <laughs> this is weird. Don't like it. But What's either way, so show? while all that nonsense is <laughs> going on... What's this other wrestling show with Randy Savage on it? <laughs> <laughs> and and, and you, everybody from the WWF. Friends, you trying to tell me something? Something you want to share with me? No! <laughs> so Nothing to Savage, tell you! So Savage implies he wants to shove the monitor up Bartlett's ass. Vince likes that idea. He's like, I want to put it up somewhere, Rob, and he won't know how I got it there. <laughs> Excellent and, and, work there, Savage. Excellent English languaging. And that and that idea got Vince very excited. Of course it did. And, Vince is weird and, like that. And then Vince realizes, holy crap, I, I, I got to start WrestleMania, so he starts to plug Mega Maniac versus Money, Inc. And he loses his train of thought halfway through because Bartlett's going on with his TV jokes. IRS hits the bald one, which I think is Scott Rich with a write-off. And that's that. Uh, it was, it was just a backdrop for Bartlett's TV jokes and nothing more. Is that what that move was called? The write-off. Yeah, that flying clothesline. Okay, I wasn't sure whether Money Inc had a finisher or not, but that's his move. It's called the write-off. He he used he used that the write-off, and the following year he began using an STF that he called the penalty. Nice, I like that. So we have our WrestleMania nine update. It's Mean Gene and and his unblinking eyes. He's he's promoting Bret Hart, Yokozuna, Mega Maniacs, Money Inc., and Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez, and no other matches. And plenty not a, more. Not not one mention of Sean versus Tatanka. No Perfect versus Lex Luger. That's it. Just those three matches. Isn't it weird? Like the, the they are days away from WrestleMania nine. This show, like WrestleMania Nine, looks like at the time it cost a fortune, and it did, and it was, and it was such a bomb. But they're so laissez-faire going into it. It's like, hey, we are we're days away from this WrestleMania that is costing us a lot of money. Hey, why not watch it? There's some matches. It's awful. And not only not only are they not promoting those matches, but they're they're plugging the togas. More than more than the matches they haven't mentioned. And for, again, this part cracked me up. It's Mean Gene complaining about the toga that he'd been sent. And keep in mind, this, this is the man. This is the pitch man who is selling it. WrestleMania. In the, who is I selling hate, WrestleMania? I, do you know what? At this point, and I've been watching him for a couple of weeks. Mean Gene 
is obnoxious. <laughs> I <laughs> used to like, and I used to, like, Mean Gene was part of WWF folklore. And at this point in 93, I, when the company is in such a weird position where you should really be showing some love and passion for what you're putting in the ring. You've got the pitch man going, oh, I'm going to make some jokes about my things. Shut up! You're the pitch man! Sell me stuff! I hate... I detest... I detest when I hear commentators putting themselves over. I do! I do, and I'm, and and now I'm, now I'm, I'm a commentator, and I'm allowed to have an opinion on this. They can't go. Oh, you're not a commentator. I am now, and I've got an opinion on it, and I hate it. I hate it when you hear commentators just. Oh, when when, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan were the pinnacle of that, and it was an era, and that was fine. But nowadays, when when a match is going on, and all you can hear is the commentators just arguing about everything and making jokes about, oh, well, I'm brilliant and I'm doing this and no, no, no. Shut up! There are people in the ring that are selling tickets and doing more than you're doing. And I speak to myself when I say that. Oh, it makes me mad. And Gene, at this point, is, is, is frigging obnoxious. <laughs> well, just to further hammer home your point, which you, you made some wonderful points, and I agree oh. with all of them. Commentators, commentators should be selling the product, not turning fans off. Mean Gene is bitching his toga is so light on material that it's practically skimpy. He well, says I hope he wraps it around his neck on Sunday. Well, I'm explaining. He uh, he says that uh, there's more material in a roll of dental floss than was in his toga. And I'm thinking, is he trying to get me to buy WrestleMania <laughs> with the promise of seeing him almost in the nude? Don't forget, Mean Gene, who's... Uh, watch WrestleMania and there's some matches on, but I might be naked. <laughs> Well, that's that swung me. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mean Gene and his deer in the headlights facelift that he has going on. <laughs> I think that doesn't help. It's just he's really <laughs> tanned and really frightened, and his eyes are slightly, slightly off center because of this weird facelift he's had. <laughs> it's just he an looks... odd-looking thing at the moment. <laughs> he puts his his chin is pointed downward. And yet his eyes still go up as though he's Jack Torrance in The Shining. And all, all, he, needs, all he needs is the axe and the creepy grin. <laughs> <laughs> all, 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 work, all work and less pay makes Gene jump to WCW. He <laughs> <laughs> can go and make all his crap jokes there. That's fine. <sighs> I'm done with him. He doesn't, feel, he, doesn't, he doesn't fit right in this era. When all the commentators start getting older than the wrestlers, it doesn't feel right. Uh, and, and, and to make matters even creepier, Oakland starts selling the opening procession of the show. You know, the, the palace guards, the you know the wild creatures, are going to be the, the elephants and all that. And he makes sure to point out the Vestal Virgins. He really goes to town on the Vestal Virgins. And not only that, but when he has the conversation with Randy Savage in the arena... And I put converses in quotes here. Savage is really excited about the Vestal Virgins. Really excited about the Vestal Virgins. Okay, so Gene says, I've noticed that your carriage is as seats for two. Are you going to be taking some of the Vestal Virgins with you? And then Randy Savage instead goes, why don't you jump in with me, Gene? It's like, so you can 
either have <laughs> women in there with you or an old man who was moments before said that his toga looks like dental floss. I would I want to be nowhere near that man on WrestleMania Sunday. What the hell are they selling? <laughs> they're, they're selling. Come and look at the commentators in togas. This is why this is the worst WrestleMania ever. If you had to translate this into a foreign language in text for somebody that didn't, that didn't understand English, and then they read what you wrote, assuming that what you wrote was a word-for-word transcription of what Gina, of Gina, Gina Rainey's interplay here, what would they think this show was about? They think it was a pay-per-view where Gene Oakland and Randy Savage were going to have sex with a load of Vestal Virgins. But and at some you- point, Bret Hart would face Yokozuna. We know somebody got screwed on that show, but it wasn't Savage or Gene. It was everybody who bought it. <laughs> Least of all, or most of all, Brett. Kamala versus Blink the Clown is our main event of this show. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm sure this, and I'm pretty sure this might be... It's got to be one of Slick's last TV appearances. Oh, really? You know, although at this point, it's weird seeing him just so subdued as Reverend Slick. He's not the animated, you know, crap-talking sort of uh, heel manager that he was designed to be. He's just, he's just the bog-standard, stand-there-and-cheer-on-your-charge cheer kind of guy. And that's yeah, all he is. Yeah, he was less animated when he became a goodie. Yeah, he, without Jive Soul, bro, it ain't the same. So, did, Doink, um, so it's Doink and Kamala. And I've written down here that this match is basically arm hold of the musical. <laughs> minus the music. Minus the music. Because it just feels like a very long arm hold. Well, it begins with Doink trying to give him a gift. He, he has, his, has his gift wrap box, just like a regular Christmas present. He baits Kamala in the gun for it and then attacks him. He, he, gets, he, he does get the arm hold, as you have noted. But he also adds a dragon sleeper at one point. Ridiculous. Doink, if I had told you that Imagine 1993 on Monday Night Raw would feature a dragon sleeper, you'd probably think, well, that's probably going to be like a Steiner Brothers match or maybe Michaels versus Janetti, maybe even a Bret Hart match. Not Blink versus Kamala. What an odd combo. What an odd combo indeed. And Barla says he wants to put Doink in a match with the guy from the Burger King commercials. And I'm like, what is he going on about? Again, I was hoping you would be able to explain this one to no. me. No, I'm lost. See, this is why they got rid of Bartlett soon enough, because I stopped getting what he was talking about. I mean, we've come a long way from him making Joey Buttafuoco jokes and and comparing Savage to the guy that shot Ronald Reagan. And, I mean, I miss those days now. So the match, as it were, it ends with Doink tricking Kamala into getting counted out because Kamala is enamored with this gift wrap box. And he opens up, there's nothing inside. So then, a chase ensues. Kamala begins chasing Doink around the ring. Doink goes under the ring. Kamala goes after him. Kamala tries coming out the other side, but Doink is now armed with a theater chair. And when, the, when it appears that someone's coming out through, through the apron skirting there, Doink swats at whatever the bulge is, and they're thinking he's hitting a blinded Kamala. At this point, Vince plugs Kamala versus Bigelow at WrestleMania. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, that was going to be a thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was supposed to be a thing. Didn't happen, of course. 
It was the Miz Morrison versus versus Primon Carlito of its day. So Kamala eventually tricks Doink. He rolls out the other side, sneaks up behind Doink, attacks him, takes the chair, and chases him away. Vince makes sure to tell us that Kamala and Doink don't want to miss WF Mania with Todd Pettengill. And then sniggers as he says it, like he doesn't even believe that himself. Because well, you've seen Todd Pettengill. He is at his most annoying at this point, so it deserves the sniggers. It really does. It was the advert for WWF Mania is very much like Mean Gene, obnoxious. It's the show you watch when you're waiting for your laundry to finish. And Todd Pettengill is again a guy just getting himself over, and it just—it's just. It's just re- I don't know whether I watch this in a bad mood, but it just really annoys me. <laughs> Well, get used to Todd because you'll be seeing a lot more of him as these episodes progress. I think because like we've got Bret Hart versus Yokozuna for the WWF Championship in six days. The biggest challenge of Bret Hart's title reign. We've had hardly any mention of Bret Hart on Monday Night Raw. But we've had Mean Gene every week making jokes about his clothes. We've had that Todd advert every week. Why is it we're hearing more about Todd Pettengill and Mean Gene Oakland than we are about our WWF champion, Bret Hart. That's what drives me crazy. Would it make you feel better if I told you it was 13 days? Because next week was the March of May show. Okay, so we've got a bit more time. That's a relief. (laughs) It doesn't excuse it, though. No, it absolutely does not, but it's a relief. Your rage is justified. So Vince plugs the forthcoming Aretha Franklin RSPECT video for Bret. So see... They do care about bread. They just, it's in doses, small doses. That was a relief to hear that. I felt much better. So this is it's the go-home roll, but not the go-home show for WrestleMania. And, but this is how the show ends. It's a, This is the weirdest ending to, to Raw ever. Yes, we, we cut to the three shot of the commentary desk, Savage, Vince, and Bartlett. And standing behind them are the three Rosati sisters, who for the uh, – just a uh, – a brief explanation, they were sort of like friends of the company. They would appear once in a while on primetime wrestling to annoy Heenan. He'll call them the Oinkettes. They're big which... la- they are bigger ladies than the normal raw yeah, ring girls. <laughs> but they have it but they have a sort of motherly joviality to them. They, they, they all come off as like very kind hearted people. They would apparently make care packages for the boys when they would go on road trips and stuff. Oh, that's adorable. I, I can't remember if that was from a Bobby Bobby Heenan's autobiography or what that was from, but but they did have like they were just super fans. They were just very nice people, and and I guess I guess Vince and and and, and them were you know taken with them. They were just you know kind-hearted people that had an association with the company. I remember I think one of them died in 1997, and they got I actually got like a one-page tribute in one of the magazines at the time, just talking about you know, what a great person they were. And so. They were obviously held in very high esteem by the company. But they're standing behind Bartlett, Savage, and Vince, and they have on these one-piece bathing suits as part of the gag. Like, like oh, these are the Royal Girls. Ha, ha, ha. So they're standing there, smiling along, and Vince congratulates Bartlett on winning a spam-eating contest for some reason. And then he, he, he refers to the Rosatis as the heads of the Rob Bartlett fan club. Yeah, that was the joke here, wasn't it? Was that? Yes, oh, here's the Rob Bartlett fan club. Oh, isn't it funny? Because they are not typically attractive women. Isn't this hilarious? So Bartlett gets up 
and proceeds to kiss one of them right on the mouth. That was amazing, actually, because Vince was like, oh, they love you, Rob. And the one goes, yeah, I do love you, Rob. And Rob Bartlett, being an absolute hero, just stands mm-hmm. up and gives them a massive kiss. It was brilliant. That, was, <laughs> that to me, turned me round on Rob Bartlett. <laughs> As though they were trying to humiliate Bartlett with this. But Bartlett's like, ah, what the hell? Exactly. Just... Vince tried to Vince tried to fool him, make him look foolish. And Rob was like, nah, I'm just going to roll with it. Rob became a bit of a hero of mine on this particular night. I don't mind saying. Even Savage got in on, on it by, by Tom Bartlett. You can't do any better, brother. <sighs> like, I think he, he just insulted them. Because <laughs> they realized that he, he's, he's not being offended by the comment and he's owning it. And Vince and Savage <laughs> are a bit playground bullyish here. And they're like, oh, they I'm going to make are. you look stupid. And then he goes, I'm not bothered. And then they're powerless to do anything. And Bartlett, it goes back to what I said all along. And I've been annoyed by Bartlett many times for many obvious reasons, the same as many other people bothered by him. But he did the best in the constrained circumstances that he was given. And I truly believe that. Exactly. So the show... So the show ends with them plugging March to WrestleMania. We get Savage Yoko. This part irks me, and it, it's a minor irking. They show Taker and Bigelow, the match graphic, and a graphic for an interview with Hogan and Beefcake and Jimmy Hart. But when it plugs Savage versus Yoko, there's no graphic. It's just text. It's just like, yeah, you that's a bit weird, isn't it? I kind of like having the graphics there. It brings it to life. Was <laughs> like Steve not available or Steve missing? <laughs> we couldn't finish the Photoshop in time. Vince also plugs the midget match because he loves midgets. Who doesn't love a good midget? So the show ends with Savage doing a fake handshake deal with Bartlett. Vince getting all jazzed up about the Rosatis. I mean, he's pumping his fist being in their presence. I want the Rob Bartlett back lob. Such an odd prolonged ending to Monday Night Raw. Did they just run short? And it was just well, like, we've got a pad until the end of our allotted time. Well, the show was 36 minutes on the network, 10 minutes shorter than usual. I tried to figure out what was missing if some. I mean, was there like a like something tragic happened on this show that they had to cut out? And going through, going through the write-up on history of WWE, apparently they show clips of the of that Michael Landon leukemia benefit, whatever that Vince and Savage were at, and Vince got some sort of humanitarian award. I'm like, did they actually cut that out? All these episodes are like 46 minutes. This was only 36, and it's. I mean, I was, I was happy though because it wasn't a great show, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I could take 10 more minutes of it. At the pace it was going, whatever got admitted, it, it was definitely a bizarre omission. But thankfully, it meant that the show was a little bit shorter than normal. So we're thank- we're grateful for small mercies. And when we come back with next week's episode, we are doing the post WrestleMania show from April fifth of ninety three. From that point forward, we have three shows left with Rob Bartlett, and then he is gone, never to return. Wow! I so never replaced him. Sorry, what I'm thinking is for next week because uh, we're not going to watch. Are we going to watch WrestleMania 9? No, we're not. Okay. Decision made. <laughs> die cast. Move on. Uh, we'll do a round of a WrestleMania 9 before we start sure, talking about sure. Raw. That'll be as far it's as we do. We won't watch it. You know. That's it. What the hell did I ever do to you? OSW Review watched it, and that's peak. We can't top that. We, we, no. we, can't, we can't top the, the, the purveyors of the golden <laughs> nogger in terms of covering WrestleMania 9. So we won't. We'll watch Raw next week. Going forward, the show will make make dramatic improvements. 
not this podcast. We'll stay in the same stagnant place that we've always been. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. what do you know that I don't? Am I leaving? <laughs> Has Matthew finally agreed to do it? <laughs> no, I'm just Conrad saying, coming in. All right, so Justin, chat me up on this. Um, you're watching Raw 1993. <laughs> that is an amazing impression of Conrad. So what chat me up on this? <laughs> so it's all just rumor and innuendo that you had to go to bed at 9.30 to watch the rest of the show. Is that right? <laughs> when, when you were in third grade. Let's just let's just do it as, as Conrad and Bruce Pritchard. Well, I could do Bruce also. Just got to kind of... Uh... Oh, hell, I don't know. Dave uh, Meltzer's an asshole. Uh... <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to let... No, next, from now on, from now on, the Cultaholic mm. Classic Raw Review will be Justin doing impressions simultaneously of Conrad and Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> Not great impressions, but deep, but passable. You'll can I, can I chip in with a Matthew impression every so often? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm doing... So I'm doing three people now, is that right? Oh, well, no, you, you, you be you two, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be Matthew. Matthew, we love you. You know this. I love Matthew to death, and I would kiss him on the face every chance I get. But I only get to see him once every couple of weeks, so I just kiss him to death then. <laughs> and that isn't even yeah. rumour and innuendo. So getting back to the original topic here, <laughs> before we got sidetracked with a million barnyard impressions, Bobby Heenan replaces Bartlett on roll. The match quality goes way up. The summer of 93 is full of tremendous, tremendous matches. Exciting angles. times. They, the show will really, really hit a groove that will not be seen again for at least about four or five years, I would say. There are great matches and moments in that time, but nothing like the pace they hit in the summer of 93. So, let's, let, let, so from next week, we start the build to the, the heady days of summer of 1993. Yes, the commentary will see a noticeable improvement, too. Well, this show will remain the same. You'll be excited to know. So we'll pick up the pace again from next week. Thank you once again for going all the way through with the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Join us with a question mark. Love you, bye! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 